Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Oh yeah, I have to do a whole and thing. That's when I stopped. I'm so yeah, bad at it. Mm. Yeah. Yep. yep. I mean, okay. that's exactly why I mostly uh, just put it in a ponytail, as lazy as possible. So yeah. Hello, this is a podcast about my hair. Oh no, you started recording. Let's go. Not even ready. I was going to go like, gra- all right, it's fine. You can I was go expecting anything, like Mario boy. Kart music or something. We closed uh, but the this door is good by too. my office. Was that the Spider-Man 2 pizza delivery song? It's what I was evoking. I found a okay. separate performance of it by a mandolin trio uh, sure. and just trimmed it. Uh, but yeah, that's what How I was, do you I, think all rules. Italians feel about the fact that that song, which is presumably some kind of Italian traditional folk song, is now forever associated with delivering pizzas in Spider-Man 2. You know, I'm the not video sure. Game. I referenced it the other day in Mixed oh, Company. Um, did not get the same pickup. Like, they were really? like, that's yeah, that Italian song. And I was like, yeah, the Spider-Man really? 2. And they're like, no idea what you're talking about. So I don't I get, know. Maybe that's just very specifically our generation of be. gamers. I think but- it might be. And it got faster sure, and faster sure. as you ran out of time. Oh my god! And, and, and the quality incredible. of the MP3 just decreases. By yeah, like it gets like more and more like fucking deep fried. <laughs> it really is. It's a template for millennial humor. I think that that it whole really, segment. A, of amazing the game. game, amazing video game, and that was the thing where you couldn't do flips. You could. Sp- uh, swing around as fast as you want, but if you did any flips, the pizzas would get fucked up and the, Toby yeah. Maguire would say things like, those pizzas must be liquefied by now. <laughs> really good stuff. this is a part of our childhoods that maybe have diverged here. You, know you what didn't I mean? play like, the I Spider-Man like Tooth game? I don't... I played wow. the... I played the Spider-Man 1 game, I think, uh-huh. on the GameCube. Okay, that one I was dog maybe shit. one or two that other one, ones. That game was great, too. No, I like Spider-Man it was 2 was not. I'm sure it was better. actually bad. It yes. was not. I mean, oh, yeah, but it, for its Spider-Man time, it was Spider-Man 2 good. was the one that's like, that is it's the one that's well-remembered for the swinging. Yeah. Because it's open-world swinging, yeah. It was actually, yes. like, not a very good video game in any other sense, except for the swinging, but... Like that's all you need, baby. Be, that's look, all you need, baby. <laughs> exactly. You know, by N sixty four GameCube era. It's like you got one thing. Oh my yeah, fa- right. The one right. My, thing. My, my favorite part of that segment with the, the pizza delivery was like once the pizzas were fully liquefied, just doing rolls and barrels and flips and everything, just to fuck them up even further. Like cut your losses, just yeah. make it look cool. Love it. You know? Yep. Yeah. Good. Hey, how is my sound? How I you sound myself down a bit. Really good. I, is that fine? We're gonna make it work. Yeah, it's working, I would argue. It sounds like it's working okay. just fine. Honestly, I, you sound I, a little bit more normal than usual, if anything. Oh, hmm. I wasn't going to say that. Uh, uh, but uh, you but know what else? true. You know, you, more you know normal it's not, than usual. Hmm. You know what's not Sorry. working? Um, the systems of control and power. That's right. In 1970s uh, Italy. It is currently an episode of Trilove. You can uh, find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. We're a movie podcast about uh, movies we see or people we meet at the Trial on Cinema in Minneapolis. I'm, I'm getting a little uh, little spitfire with this one. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trial on at Trial on Cinema and at Trilon.org. Get tickets 
uh, to all kinds of cool movies and other cool. There's a whole bet, new batch of merch there. Um, I think you can buy some of it online. If you can't get there, uh, get online at trilon.org. My name is Jason Daphnis. I instinctively distrust indignant moralists, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Cody Narvison, and quite frankly, my disguise never works, but you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry Mackin, and you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a podcaster. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were doing Dark Knight, uh, but my quote stands. Uh, my name is... Wait, did you say your Twitter at? I, they don't need to know. He's never they know. Yeah, <laughs> He's on break. Uh, he's on break right now. Uh, my name is Aaron, uh, and when you're talking about my illustrious podcast co-host, the least you could do is call him a weeb. You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. Ouch. I wasn't uh, going to do the full version of that. Yeah. <laughs> full version <laughs> would, of that quote. Would have been a rip. No. Um, uh, th- today's film that we're talking about is playing as part of the uh, Poliziotteschi Italian Crime Films in the Years of Lead. It's February here at the Trilon. Uh, go to trilon.org or follow the link in the show notes to get a hold of tickets to uh, upcoming movies in that series. Just a couple left. Uh, this is the second in that series. I won't say the name of the film as per Trilove uh, tradition, but uh, I do want to say off the bat that uh, film programmer John Moret of the Trilon did pen a short piece about the um, creation of this uh, genre, about the purpose of it, etc., uh, which you can find also in the show notes. It's called Some Disorganized Thoughts About Poliziotteschi Films. Uh, I wanted to say that off the bat. We're probably going to reference it a couple of times uh, over the course of the conversation, which starts with a quick summary from our own Aaron Grossman. Uh, yes, folks, we are talking about what many have called the Italian Training Day. Uh, we're talking about Confessions of a Police Captain, 1971 film directed by Damiano Damiani, one of the maybe the maybe in contention for the greatest director name. Very, very good. Uh, that we've had so far on the show. Um, film stars Franco Nero and Martin Balsam as Deputy District Attorney uh, Traini uh, and Commissioner uh, Bonavia, Bonavia uh, respectively. Sorry, Italian pronunciation. This is going to happen on this episode. Isn't it very funny uh, that his name attempt- literally means like the good path or the good way, like Bona sure. and Via? Just mwah. makes sense. You know, you know what that makes, you know what that makes me think? It makes me feel like this. Oh, Jesus Christ. Continue. This is, this is the episode that gets us canceled, folks. <laughs> uh, the two attempt to deal with a local corrupt uh, construction magnate named Ferdinando de Brosio uh, in their own ways. Uh, Traini is principled by the books, a little younger, uh, arguably kind of naive, right? Uh, while police captain uh, Bonavia uh, does whatever it takes to seek what he views uh, as justice for de Brosio's many crimes. Uh, the film has a lot of plot, so I'm just going to leave that there and we'll talk about it. Uh, the film also stars uh, Marilu Tolo as Serena Lapuma and Luciano Catanacci uh, as DeBrosio. Uh, as yeah, mentioned, man. the film is uh, uh, part of that that series uh, of Italian crime films from say the, the word? 19. Uh, Poliziotetsky. There you go. Harry, say the word. Poliziotetsky. Yeah, you nailed Cody? it. Uh Mamma mia, that is uh, Poliziotesky. Poliziotesky. Yes. Please, please stop. (laughs) Please, please stop. Okay, okay. Was was that the end of your summary? Uh, I know Uh, there's not a whole lot on Wikipedia or on the internet about this movie, about like, except like its place in the genre. I didn't, I didn't find a whole lot about like how it was received at the time. I guess it did, it did place at a certain awards. Was it Milan or somewhere? Uh, like it got attention and it's Moscow. known. It's well, Moscow. to, to read right. about yes. the state, the political state of Italy at this time, nobody was seeing movies because they were too busy running for their lives. 
yeah, they were being carbons of gunfire uh, and explosions. Um, I am at once again, classically, uh, I think most of us can find ourselves here often, uh, stuck between what I think the movie is doing and like my value judgment of whether or not that's good. Uh, and just like, did I enjoy, did I enjoy this, this movie? Did I enjoy how, like, how it played out and did I like have a good time? Um, not that every movie needs to make you feel that, but, uh, it does in movie like movie, movie like this. Uh, we, we do find ourselves questioning that uh, time to time. Um, I don't know if that like is what everybody else came away with. This was my first in the genre, the first that I've seen from this series at the trial on. It seems very well selected. Um, it does seem like based on, I was talking to Cody who saw an earlier film in this series. It was an investigation of a citizen above suspicion. Um, and you said like, this was in line. This was more or less like the flavor, the sort of themes that you're going to get from this. Uh, and reading more on the background, both from John's piece. And I think there was an indie wire piece that sort of did a quick breakdown of the genre you know, obviously 40 years after its inception. Um, I just, I tried, I found myself a little bit caught between, did I enjoy this? Did I feel like things were moving where I wanted them to go versus like, is that really the point of the genre? Is it exploitative or is it more like, uh, the feeling that John used was helplessness in his, uh, piece sort of running down the genre really quickly. Um, it is, is it aligned with that or is it supposed to be like a good time at the movies? And I don't think it is, but I don't know if I see value in that myself. If I like have that, if I can see that from the outside, objectively say this is it's what it's trying to do. It is doing, but it, what it's trying to do is, is that something that I enjoy? Um, that's really a vague top level thought, but already it seems to have sparked something in my friend, Aaron Grossman, uh, who I will toss to now for his thoughts about the movie. Yeah. Well, I have some thoughts on that. I also have a question for the rest of the gang. Cause I think all of you saw it in the theater. I'm kind of curious. So I watched a, uh, shout out to Tubi, the, the, uh, streaming Ooh. service saw a version of that. I had not used Tubi. Uh, was pleasantly surprised. One it's of the, the best ones one. just kind of puts Let's ads go, in the man. middle yeah. there, I guess, which, but is free otherwise. So like shout out to them having this like weird kind of little known Italian crime film from the seventies. Tubi um, also has every season of Columbo. Just going to throw that out there. Really? The best. So the best yes. one. Yep. That's what one. you're saying. Yes. Factually, uh, uh, a trial of uh, stamp of approval uh, on Tubi. Um, I'm kind of curious how the film like looked and sounded in the theater to be quite honest. Cause like it, the, the copy on Tubi is, pr- you know, pretty, is it rough low resolution? I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it, the, the little gear that you click that gives you the options. I was like, Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's set on the lowest. And it's like, <laughs> there are like three settings and they're all triple digit. You know what I mean? Ouch. It's not, not a clean <laughs> HD here. Yeah. Um, in, in the theater, we, uh, full disclosure, um, we have a certain, uh, bit of, uh, glitterati to our name now that we are able to join Sean for some, uh, preview screenings of films. Um, one of which I believe was put on, this one was put on for, uh, volunteers and uh, other folks like ourselves. Um, so we saw this in a not packed theater with other folks who were already there just to see it, uh, on, on a whim. Um, it was a restoration. Uh, I believe John said, I didn't get the full details on that, but it is a restoration. It does look pretty good on the screen. I think it was DCP if I'm correct guys. Uh, and it was, it, it did look really good. Um, it didn't, it didn't have that blurriness. It or was fuzziness, a, I'm yeah, it was about. a recent restoration. It should be said, because I think that these movies are being sort of, um, they're having a bit of a renaissance moment or they're being rediscovered by film sure. archivists and people who are interested in that, the period. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I am. I will say, maybe I'll tie this into my general thoughts. I'm very jealous. Uh, this is the kind of, if, if there was a theater, uh, you know, Chicago has a good, good, you know, system of theaters here. We have a good selection and whatnot, but like if there was a theater just playing like a random Italian crime film one day out of the week uh, just within walking distance, 
Oh, baby. I mean, that's the, that's the dream right there. Oh, yeah. um, it I, it I, really I, is, right? <laughs> yes. I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed this film. I think that like, it's, uh, is like as boring as this is to do for like an American. I think it, it is useful to kind of put this in context with, with similar films, uh, kind of coming out in America. I mean, so I mean, the French connection, I think is like a clear reference point came out the exact same year. So like, that is like, kind of an anchor that I'm kind of using to think about this. I think one other thing that, that John had mentioned um, in his, the piece that he had written for Parisphere um, and kind of tying into what you said about this being, you know, kind of this kind of meteor uh, exploration of, of crime and corruption and justice and whatnot versus this kind of more kind of fun, theatrically friendly uh, uh, kind of film is like, comparing this, John compares this to like kind of superhero movies and kind of like a very throwaway line. I don't mean to like paint his entire article like that, but he basically says that like these films are very violent, uh, but like our films today are violent. They just are, are contextualizing that violence in a different manner. And I kind of do view that similarly here where this is a few years before like Jaws would come out and like blockbusters would become cemented as this like cultural thing. Um, but I do kind of generally come of the opinion that like, violence and entertainment that does have violence, like is kind of uh, uh, subconsciously like speaking for a culture, at least kind of uh, flows down from the culture itself. And in that manner, I think that like this film does have like a lot of meat on it, but it also does have a lot of the kind of more uh, uh, like enjoyable aspects of, you know, kind of this, this crime film that you go in the theater to see. I was like kind of shocked at like how not, not even necessarily like subversive, but like just how much like little subtle stuff is there or not even subtle. I think the ending of this movie is like brilliant. Um, it's good. And is like a hammer over your head. And like, I, I kind of didn't fully buy into it until the ending happened. But like, even like just the next day thinking over it, like, I think this film was like, I think it's, I think it's really, really good. I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, I think I I fall closer to Aaron uh, than Jason, I guess, if we're setting up uh, binaries, which is a silly thing to do in the yes, first place. Yes, um, yes. But let's do it. Uh, that's in part because I think it like maybe longtime listeners will know like this is very much in my strike zone. Um, I fucking love like 1970s pessimism. I love that that was how cinema was manifesting itself in a time where. Uh, faith in institutions was at an all-time low, and uh, people had very little hope for uh, a future that would look like something that they would have agency in. Um, I think this movie does a really outstanding job of uh, making the the viewer even today feel just how um, disenfranchised it felt to exist in a time like this when uh, the sort of like um, the institutions that were ostensibly supposed to be um, protecting and serving citizens were like the thinnest veneer over like a very well coordinated and operated criminal enterprise that had absolutely no like that that people citizens and and legal institutions had no recourse uh, to combat whatsoever within any sort of like guidelines like the the people in Italy in this time had been so beaten down that there was really no sense that things were going to change that they were going to get better and that was what sort of paved the way for what John called this fantasy of violence right there was this idea that like people are reaching a breaking point that 
violent overthrow is the only recourse that they could possibly have when the systems have failed them to the extent that they have. I think mm-hmm. that this movie is in large part about um, really explicitly, like Aaron said, um, getting you to understand, if not openly sympathize with that fantasy because of uh, the depiction of powerlessness. Um, it's something, it does something that a lot of my favorite gangster movies do, whether we're watching from the police side or the gang side, which is it, it does a really good job of illustrating the social and economic climate that creates gangsterismo, right? Like, I think The Goodfellas is a really great example of this, where it's like, like whether you become a gangster or you you become somebody who is victimized by gangsters, it happens because there is no um, alternative, right? It's like you so are when, either a schmuck or you're a gangster. What were you saying? Okay, no, I was just asking. Like, is your like as an example of that? Do you mean because like their alternative maybe was Rizzo, the character who is the, like the union leader, the labor organizer who is right. killed by the mob for exactly yeah. that for demanding more money from the mob? Are you saying that that is potentially like their alternative and it's crushed so there is their none. alternatives have failed I- mm. entirely and also like the idea of these alternatives this is something that that a lot of movies like this do a really good job of is sort of like high-minded and philosophical in a way that won't actually help the people who are materially affected in the moment right like like unions are all well and good and fighting for unions is all well and good right until you're killed and then that's it for you. Like maybe somebody else could benefit from the fact that you died, but what does that do for you? Right. And so that's sort of like the fear of the individual that they, that they will not benefit from the institutional change that they're bringing about is something that like, uh, paralyzes and, uh, um, retards change right like it it makes it impossible for that to happen because nobody is willing to lay down their life because why would they um that's kind of an aside uh that being said i think um i was surprised by just how procedural and potboiler this could feel um i liked that quite a bit actually especially because the polizio teskis do not have that reputation um kelly is a big fan and she told me like we're gonna watch uh revolver later and like these movies were characterized by like ridiculous ultra violence like i think um john john's article refers to like there's a very famous one the boss where it opens with a guy unloading with a grenade launcher in a movie theater and people just get blown to pieces right yes and so like i think that like it's this is kind of a weird one to come in on because i think it's kind of subverting that it's like kind of subverting the genre right um that being said if i do have criticisms just to sort of wrap up my top level thoughts um i think it it it's kind of an easy target at times. Um, it does a thing that I have a bit of a pet peeve about, which is like the, uh, the DA character in this, uh, Triani is like so clearly just a symbolic force or a symbolic like character. Like we are only meant to understand that he is wrong and then see his character arc, uh, become and become cynical. Right. And it's sort of like when you set up a character to be that idealistic and that sort of naive, um, it, it, it's sort of, to me, it's sort of an easy target, right? Like, so, yeah, of course this guy is going to yes. get corrupted by and made cynical by the fact that injustice happens. And it kind of, like, begs the question, like, how did this dude get this far? As a DA, and, like, right? Right, and maintain like, this faith day. He's a in institutions. Day. Yes. Right, like, I, I so, also love the ending of this movie very much. I think it's very good. But on the other hand, it's like he's talking to the Attorney General, and the Attorney General makes it clear that he had been taking bribes and, like, was, in fact, yeah. the sort of kingpin masterminding all of the murders and things that happened throughout this movie. And it's like a 
he has like a Tim Allen like, uh, and it's like, how did you not know this already? No. Like, yeah, it's like it was fucking blatantly obvious, and everybody's been trying to tell you this, my guy. And like he just gets around to it. I don't know. So that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, just because it, it kind of felt like um, an over exaggerated naivete for the purposes of portraying something, especially when the rest of the movie is so good at not being naive and sort of being very like cynically realist about the state of things, right? Um, and that sort of like cynical realism is something that I really respond to in 70s movies. Um, so despite some misgivings, I think that this movie does a really good job of like getting that across, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, I I enjoyed this movie as well. Overall, I think my main semblance of a criticism kind of falls in where what Harry was just describing. Um, I really shout out again to John's write up about uh this particular slate of films. It was really so look- helpful. Yeah. It was it, really, it, really it, helpful. Extremely. Um and I'm really looking forward to watching more films in this series. Uh and like in this genre in general, whether they're tethered to this particular series at the trial on or not. Um I think framing it as um this this motif of helplessness or something I found myself kind of uh, like re- coming around to as like a reframing device often with films that are maybe not in this genre, but um thematically similar is like inevitability um the and the obviously the bleakness and the the pessimism all plays into that as well um and i'm certainly i'm very down to to exist in a a bleak world that is um at least somewhat based on reality uh probably a lot so based on the reality of that time and place you know in that particular uh era of history um the and like kind of being able to, to understand the trajectories of these characters and, and all likelihood know where we're about to end up by the end of it is something I'm totally fine with. The thing that really, um, got under my skin during the watch and really just kind of, um, not like completely soured, but it was just the fact that the, it was like just a skosh after the midway point that, um, our two leads, uh, Trini and, and Bonavia come together and Bonavia reveals the plot um and it just like further solidifies the set pieces in a way that just it kind of irked me a little bit um mm-hmm. maybe be- because it was that time of night it was really late <laughs> and i just ha- had less patience for it may like not to give myself an out for being um the um uh, um uh, assistant to the regional tired boy um as i as i so mm-hmm. often am um but that's yeah i mean beyond that though like that there's only there's only so far i can take that um yeah i i know it was like 10 30 p.m um that's listen uh i i work i work very hard i don't work very hard during the day um <laughs> it, it it is what it is um so yeah that being said there, there's a lot of good to take away from this um despite that i mean it's it's on top of everything else uh that that y'all have been saying uh it's it's a really beautiful film i think obviously we'll have a segment dedicated to this at the end uh, at the end of the towards the end of the episode so i won't get into it now but just the fact that the the camera was pretty much set up to just be like hey we're going to we're going to by and large we're just going to move around and kind of kind of let them cook a little bit you know like let them oh, move around yeah. in all the ways that they need to um with some aptly timed crash zooms those are really nice um but beyond that it's just there's a lot of in-frame movement um there, it's a, a film built on a lot of really great conversations um and I'm going to butcher all like the character designations and names and things like that but the conversation Trini has with that character that 
um, like one of his colleagues refers to as a fox. Um, the conversations that uh, Trini and Bonavia and then later just Trini has with um, what's his name? Uh, Lapuma's former cellmate, the conversations that Trini and Bonavia have just between the two of them, they're sort of musings on political structures and, and power and where the power lies. And like at first not giving a whole lot away. And then all of a sudden, like giving everything away between the two of them, those verbal spars were, were really, um, were really fun to watch. Uh, it's, it's like a weirdly plotty movie for being as like, I think str- simple and straightforward as it is, but between like those scenes and the scenes with, um, or the scene with DeBruzio in, in the gym and then all, like all the main characters like slowly entering the gym, it seems over the course of like five minutes. Um, I don't know. It really like fun to, purely like fun to watch but also fun to just like purely watch because i i I think it's like a really beautifully composed picture i have to i have to jump on like the bandwagon of it does look great and aaron i'm uh somewhat uh i don't know apologetic to you that like yeah that, that you didn't get to see it in a beautiful format because like there's one shot specifically I was scrubbing through. It's just a YouTube rip, um, which apparently probably looks better than the Tubi rip, honestly. But uh, where it's in the scene, which I do want to focus my next point on on the scene that um, that I assume Cody was evoking when he was talking about about the halfway point where uh, Bonavia and Trini are on that cliff outside and they're like at their cars and they're sort of just like spilling their guts to each other and saying, you'll never like they'll never believe you type moment. Uh, but there is one point at which Trini thinks he's really got Bonavia and he says something to the effect of like, you are probably working with one of DeBrosio's enemies uh, and you're probably getting a good, good payoff. And like, that's why you let Lapuma out to go kill DeBrosio is because then you were being paid by a rival gangster. And like, there's this moment where the camera does not cut, but it just swerves around, just sw- like all the mountains out of focus. In the Hell background, yeah. Crazy. And uh, Martin Balsam like turns, like just the framing and staging of this shot is wild and like it turns with martin balsam's face that you're only seeing one side of his face the whole time it's not like a magic camera move or anything just very smart and effective you don't really notice it in the moment i didn't but then looking back through it again for scrubbing for gifts i was like this is fuck this is a really fucking good shot that it's not throw away but it's like at a pretty consequential moment where the understanding of the scene changes where like bolton or sorry uh Jesus, all the italian names bonavia is about to actually reveal what in fact he's guilty of that he's going to say actually no I'm, you know, uh, still trying to whatever, whatever. He, he sort of divulges his motivations and reasons, and but they're in opposition to what Trini thinks. So that is like the turn. He is revealing something more about himself in knowledge that it is implicating him. Uh, and that camera move is just fucking a crazy way to, to help like uh, facilitate it. Um, and it does look really, really great. Uh, that scene, I guess back to my main point, that scene is where I think, I don't know, Cody, if it, if it felt this way to you, but I feel like for the next half hour after that scene where... I guess to like lay it a little more plain, that is where Bonavia and Traini, uh, Traini says, I think I'm on to you. Uh, I, I think I know what you're up to. You're on the, you're on the take. Uh, and Bonavia is like, no, actually I'm doing this, you know, for, and this is where he sort of divulges about Rizzo and like sort of his motivation for wanting to get back at Bruzio and how long he's been waiting for evidence that never appears and how it's, it goes deeper than he thinks. Um, and it just turns into like, okay, well, I'm going to tell on you basically says Traini. And then, uh, Bonavia is like, well, I'm just going to slander you. Fuck you. He's like, They're oh yeah, well you're you. gay dog. He's, li- he's literally <laughs> like, well, yes. yeah. Uh, he, like you, you, you're lying about your mom and his swedish hospital or something it's like it just like it devolves into this very like catty shitty uh back and forth in that scene that then like has 
severe repercussions for the rest of the movie in that like they actually don't forward their cases against each other for like the next 30 minutes while trainee learns from the um ag that like it goes deeper and like it is and you know he says prudence but also justice but also prudence kind of thing like that whole scene this was the point at which cody i I think we probably both started to taper off become little tired boys because it like the tension we were talking about the main dichotomy of Trainee as like this unbelievably naive and uh, Bonavia as an unbelievably cynical character. Like there, that tension is really taught, I think, up until that scene where it's like, damn, these two. And I'm, I'm looking at it from a very like American perspective, American filmmaking perspective of like, there's no burn to that. It's just like this, these, this head to head thing. I really like the tension of that. I really like the anti-hero of uh, Martin Balsam's character, Bonavia and sort of the naivete of Traini. Uh, uh, and then it sort of like dissolves from there. And in that half hour, I think it's pretty crucial for my experience with the movie in that half hour after that scene, a lot happens that does make the climax make sense that sort of feeds it and sort of adds to it. I don't think I like really was on board for that 30 minutes because it's very uneventful except for like very plotty, very like 40 billion lira and identifying people from various images on a slide machine. It's just like so mired in that that makes the the climax important. But after that scene where they sort of reveal things to each other and we know what they're after, it loses a lot of steam for me until the climax, which again, climax and end great. But I just don't know that it added anything to have that 30 minutes of exposition. And right. 30 minutes during a time, me. which again, 1030 at night, just to get ahead of uh, speaking of slander, a very normal time to be tired uh, during, during the work week. I had a beer in me, grown a lot of things going on. 1030 uh, p.m. Was there some dinner action in there too? Well, okay. My excuse, I had had dinner. I used Movie Pass for the first time that evening to see it literally just what before this movie crucial? started. Oh. I saw it in Awkward Cabin. Which this is great movie. film criticism, you guys. You wonderful. were tired. So <laughs> that, that's affecting your perception of the film. Awesome. Yes, yes, I yes. Yes. Ebert is... using movie pass you don't get to say, oh, you... To him being tired. As if the cost for Movie Pass now is it sucking your life force <laughs> it's, somehow. It's, I, yeah, it's, it's sort of figuratively of is. What do you think? It, yes, they they got to make ends meet somehow, it right? It like, doesn't oh, make any sense otherwise. 600, right. 600 calories roll over to Just like a half a, just half a quart of blood just sort of like <laughs> evaporates from your system every time you use Movie Pass. Um, <laughs> anyway. I actually think I mostly agree with that. Um, like I said, I think that like, and, and again, this is sort of maybe a contextualization thing, but like, I think that the, the part of the movie you're referring to is when the movie becomes its most procedural. Um, it like is very, I like sure. the procedural aspects of this, especially in the sense that, um, like, I, I think part of the reason why it might have felt boring is because we've seen it so many times now. Right. But like, there's a reason for that. It's like, that's basically like every single television show since like the 1980s is like, there's like a detective guy who will stop at nothing to track down leads and stuff. Um, I think that the cliffside scene is the best scene in the movie. Definitely. Um, I think I'm agreeing with both of you there. Although, uh, Cody, you did mention that they should have made out. I agree. Uh, (laughs) but, um, but, but to me, that's also like, that's like the end of episode one of invent like confessions of a police captain right this is like when like will and hannibal sort of like have their like face-off moment at at like the end right this is like when all the cards are finally on the table and it's like okay like now the like the actual plot happens right i I think like to to an extent the rest of the movie was like preamble to that point and so like to me that like breaking point is really well established and um in 
sort of like uh, in defense of both the procedural nature of the movie and the naivete of the ostensible protagonist or the co-protagonist, um, though he is very naive in his actual sort of like belief systems and ideology, he spars so well with the police captain and i love their yeah. relationship in this movie and like i think that's kind of the heart of the relation or the the movie to me like especially in the sense that um like i don't this movie's fairly predictable i think right like i think it's pretty clear early on that like oh like the police captain that is cynical and stops at nothing he is going to die by the end of this movie and the super naive like white knight harvey dent character is going to be made cynical by his experiences with this guy um this movie does a really good job of sort of like setting that up but also like making both of these characters feel like real characters instead of just sort of like ideologies right like i really love in that cliff scene for instance how even though they are like bitter enemies at that point and even though like the the police captain um is saying benivia is like saying ridiculous things he's like well like i am going to like his his approach is like oh i'm not going to stop you from persecuting me i am just going to slander you so much that it will slow your persecution of Mm -hmm. me until i can get done what i need to get done and that will include like dredging up facts about your personal life that you are deeply ashamed of and like trying to like get people to like think of you as like a degenerate and all of these things and it's like it's a horrible thing like he's he's saying like awful shit right um but they still have this like weird respect where like you can tell bonivia like sees himself in the younger da like the man he used to be or whatever meanwhile like all of a sudden there is this turn where um the da sees that like oh this isn't a like this isn't a corrupt police captain who's working for the opposition this is like a crusader this is like a vigilante and like that kind of brings them closer together even though it just makes the da more like determined to stop uh the police captain um and so for me i actually really liked the procedural nature because this whole movie has this like very like um and and again this is just completely in my strike zone but like i love a ridiculously self-serious 70s movie right like uh dirty harry awful movie politically awful uh but like the fact that it takes itself so seriously means i have to kind of love it right like that that ending and then the like sad music this movie has such a like foreboding to it like it feels like um like the ending is going to be like kiss me deadly right where like the literally the world ends or something or like uh this is a weird comparison but kind of like watchmen if you've ever read the watchmen comic book like the early pages of watchmen are so full of like this insane tension that like is going to reach a boiling point that you're like what the hell is going to happen here um that's kind of how i felt about this too and so for me the 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 second act though it is definitely a little bit more boring like it's it's racing towards this this inevitable conclusion that kind of got me excited about it right to the point where like you said when when um the police captain when uh um Bonavia finally goes into DeBrosio in the like restaurant and just blows him away. I was like, yes, like, like I knew that it was leading there and it was so fun. And like that scene happens like intercut with the DA reading his confession and, and understanding that it's too late to stop this from happening. Oh, I just, mm, I'm doing the, the Italian chef kiss. Come on, man. I should have been, I should have been better on that. I should have been hotter. Come on, on that. man. Um, you, you are you are getting at like again. I think that Meyer that I'm talking about in the second act 
I don't disrespect it as like the the point of the movie. It is very much like, oh, we're seeing Trini's reasons for becoming a little bit less naive. He literally has that interaction with, I believe it's the AG, where he's wearing the goofy. Um, I mean, I say this is goofy. It's part of the code, but like the he, he's wearing basically his courtroom outfit, and it kind of looks like I don't know a Prussian king or something. Um, and he's he like tells him, uh, procedure with your investigation, but like limit yourself. He's realizing like, oh, Trini's getting pretty close. He's sort of starting to pull at the wrong threads that are going to implicate me. So he tells him prudence, but also justice. Uh, so like in that, in that time, important things do happen. It is like the procedural elements do end up paying off in the climax, but I just, I don't know that like, because there's such tension before and after it, I sort of like started to lose focus. I guess I have, I do have a little tired baby boy brain and I think it's just started to lose focus in looking at what actually happened and looking at like, again, rewatching bits of this for the podcast and looking at the, you know, plot summaries and stuff. I'm like, okay, this, this actually does have worth and value and meaning. That is, I wonder, I wonder that is when they like, introduce Serena though, right? Like who is Dipuma's sister? And that is a little bit it complicates things. It does, I think it's it cool does. that it complicates things, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think maybe when we bring up Serena, we're, we we will have to talk about like we already mentioned. I think Cody mentioned how plotty this movie is. It is like beyond reason plotty to the point where the Wikipedia summary does. I I think it's beyond re- like again. It seems <laughs> to be an not- element of the. Of, here's here's the thing on the Wikipedia summary. Yeah. Rizzo is never even mentioned <laughs> like the right. whole it's wild. 15 minutes where he's like the main part of the story and, uh, and, and Bonavia's whole motivation for wanting to get back into bros into Bruce, or at least to like the it, historical reason, like their background is just not even mentioned in this plot summary. And the plot summary is a pretty good like way to understand what happens in the movie to that, to that point. Like it feels like there's a little bit too much, like again, the whole 40 billion lira and like the construction, whatever, all, all of that stuff. I'm not saying it's not important while you're watching, but it is incredibly easy to lose. It was incredibly easy for me to lose focus in that, especially when the front end of it is police captain wants a guy dead, new trend, like new DA doesn't like want that to happen because it's against the law. Uh, go like that that conflict is really taught for me and then afterward I, I think we should talk about the climax eventually after Aaron's point maybe because it is really like effectively cool and like sort of what I was expecting of of, of my first Politioteski is just this fucking awesome climax that ends to it that ends in a really like cynical ending um, but I think that like less than I don't think it's good I just don't think that I was able to follow it or like it or give it the respect it deserved in the moment that second where i'm roughly calling it the second act but after from like an hour to about an hour 30 of this hour and 40 minute movie it uh i won't say it fell apart like the pieces all fit just wasn't as engaging i wasn't as like zoned in as as i was in the first half ish yeah i I think that i'm kind of i'm like sympathetic to what you're saying i think i disagree though and that i don't think there's like actually that much plot i think that the film is just like kind of maybe a little bit messy about what it it like tells and what it shows uh, in kind of a weird way. And that there, hmm. there's like a lot of plot revealed strictly through dialogue. Um, and there's even a lot of talking about the plot that is not necessarily new developments to the plot in a way that I think can kind of seem confusing. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is, I think there's like, there's also a lot of uh, uh, exposition that maybe just could have been flashbacks or whatnot. And there's, there's also a lot of flashbacks and whatnot. Um, so like, I'm kind of sympathetic to what you're saying, but I, I, I think that the film overall is pretty understandable, corrupt construction magnate, yeah. uh, these two, uh, uh, members of the government, um, et cetera, et cetera. But like, yeah, there, there is like something, I think maybe in like the middle third of this film that, that maybe kind of feels convoluted. I just like, I don't know. I don't have 
too hard of a time kind of like piecing it together, I guess. And that is even with a, uh, a watch at home on Tubi with ad breaks <laughs> in the middle. We get it. You're, you're superhuman, Aaron. Uh, no, I, I, and I, I, as I do with every film, I have a cork board with little bits of yarn connecting the different <laughs> elements of the film. Um, he, you, know. you actually do behind you. I can see all 216 or whatever movies we've done. It's a fucking mess back there. You got to clean That's that right. shit up. That's right. The looper one is taking up like 40% <laughs> of that whole board. <laughs> Um, I think I'm, I'm sympathetic to what you're saying too, Jason. And I think it has to do with like the police procedural nature of this in that the plot itself ultimately is simple from like a, uh, bird's eye view, but like a lot of the exposition and expository dialogue and stuff is like, it's about incidentals, right? Like it's about explaining who Dapuma is and where he came from and what his connection to the case is and about like following like the thread because mm-hmm. like we're following uh, Travali's like, um, like detective case unfold right and so there's like a lot of like um is well you know um there's like a lot of stuff that doesn't end up actually sort of like mattering except to sort of like connect the dots right like for instance i think that like that big flashback um with the union leader that you mentioned um Mm -hmm. like it it honestly all that that serves in the sort of bird's eye view of this movie is like it's essentially like um our police captains uh bonivia's like like batman origin story right it's 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 like like this this instance of injustice is what finally broke him and made him want to be like oh i'm I'm gonna kill de brazio no matter what like this is this is it um but like understanding that that is the purpose of why it was shown in this movie is a very different thing from actually seeing it happen right for me that actually works really well because i think that's a really impactful scene and i i like feeling it a lot but also like i think you're right in the sense that like it it, in terms of actual purpose to the significance of the a plot story that we're following it serves a relatively little purpose right to the point where like it's not totally necessary like i think if you told me like oh like here's a police captain who's near the end of his career and he has become a vigilante who will stop at nothing to uh, get his version of justice because he feels that the justice system has failed him. I don't know that I need to know why in particular that is happening, right? Like, I think I just buy that character, especially with everything else that I've seen in this story. Yeah. Just like, I don't know that I, I need to like see illustrated, like, okay, like who is Lapuma exactly? How did uh, our main character know that he was going to go kill de Brasio as soon as he was released from prison? How did he coordinate that escape from the mental institution? How does Serena fit into all of this, right? It's sort of like, I like that stuff because I like to follow the mystery, right? But I think it you're right. It does sort of muddy the waters of what is ultimately a clearer picture than um, than it would seem to be. Yeah. And I guess muddying the waters, I'm wondering if there's like a meta thing to be said there about like at the end of that one scene we're all talking about on the cliff where they end up threatening slander against each other. Um, that is all about like, okay, you've reached the, you've gotten to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You've caught me. You still won't get me. Like there's, I'm still going to keep skittering away uh, and just make things shitty for long enough for me to, like you were saying, Harry, long enough for me to do what I need to do uh, to get vengeance. Um, and I, that's where I like, when I talk about my struggle between uh, my, my, my appraisal of quality and like whether or not it actually held my attention, whether or not I actually like focused on it and enjoyed it is, is in that, like if, if that's what that half hour is supposed to be doing for me, cool. Awesome. It is doing that. If that 
is like supposed to be engaging and compelling and like really drive me toward where the food characters are going. It's not doing that. It is revealing a lot. It is telling me a lot. And I guess, I guess we're, I'm just repeating what you were saying about like how procedurally it does work. It does serve the narrative. Uh, but like, it, I guess functionally, emotionally, it doesn't, it doesn't get there for me until again, like the climax, which is that much richer for knowing how deep it's gone, how much trainee is supposed like how much the, the systems of power are trying to buy trainee off, uh, and like how far Bonavia has like I mean, there's just a lot to be said about how trainee still feels like there's something to be done. He's still got hope, he's still got something something to rely on, you know, his sense of moral justice, uh and, and its attachment to the law. And at the end, Bonavia doesn't have that. Well, no Bonavia never really has that, but he's just exhausted all options except again, what happens in the climax, which we can talk about in a minute. Yeah. And I, I actually would love to hear your opinions on f- like particularly Serena, cause I'm kind of of two minds about her inclusion. Um, and, and I might be sympathetic to your point of view here too, Jason, because I, I thought it was really wild that after, um, Bonivia murders DeBrosio and is um, imprisoned um, and he's in prison. Triana is still like, I mean, I guess that I I'm coming around. I like in the moment I was like, Triani still thinks the system works, right? Like I thought mm. that was kind of going to be his moment, but it turns out that, that the real thing that, that sets him off is, um, well, there are kind of two. It's Bonivia being murdered in prison, right? And then Serena, Lapuma's sister, being murdered by <clears throat> DeBrosio's thugs and encased in concrete or cement or whichever one the YouTuber that you mentioned <laughs> uh, said it was. And that's finally what gets Triani to realize what's going on. Um, it felt to me like, like I don't know that DeBrosio dying and Serena had to happen, right? I was sort of like, how much evidence does this Triani guy need? <laughs> Right. I, it was like, I, like, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, though, or on the other hand, I think that Serena is really important to the movie's overall cynicism, right? Particularly the idea yeah. that DeBrosio is already dead and it doesn't matter, right? Like, like even, um, like Bonivia failed, right? Like his idea was like, oh, I'm going to finally get my justice and kill DeBrosio. And then the system just goes on, right? Like DeBrosio's thugs just kidnap Serena and yeah. kill her anyway, exactly the way they would have if, uh, a DeBrosio was alive. And it's implied in the end that, uh, he, DeBrosio is going to be exonerated, uh, like, posthumously right um so i I guess like that is important like but on the other hand i i found it kind of weird that like this this final climax is like split right it's split in half between sort of like oh like the police captain that we've been following for the entire movie bonivia is murdered and that's supposed to be very disillusioning to triani and now serena is murdered this character who was introduced in the second act they both kind of have the same effect on the final revelation, do you think they were both necessary or do you think that was, I don't know. What did you guys think about all that? Yeah. I'd like to open the room, uh, open that question to the room, but I feel like the only reason it exists is like you said, to further that sense of cynicism. Like, did she need to die in order for like a uh, trainee to be completely disillusioned at the end when he gets that line from the AG that's like, is anything wrong or something wrong? I don't remember what he asks. But, or it's um, maybe it's because she's like an innocent and like, well, she, I mean, from a from a plot perspective, you need the phone call to, you know, you need the phone call that he made in the office to to be kind of the link right to her kidnapping and killing, I guess. Um, uh, I don't yeah, know if you need she her ca- specifically to do that. She calls right. the the courthouse right to inquire while she's in the safe house. Uh, and Bonavia says, hey, you know, hide out here. 
it's going to be done. Trini makes a phone call in the office of the, the, what is that guy's position? The general attorney, isn't he? Your district attorney. Or attorney general. Attorney general yeah. <laughs> I'm just assuming that all of these positions kind of line up with U.S. counterparts, <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. But but yes, and so it must have been him that kind of mm. keyed off where the, the okay. location was. Yeah, I guess just in, in terms of like if, if that sacrifice really is necessary, I think it just like, again, this being my first Polizioteschi, maybe it's just to serve that feeling of, oh, at the end, you've got nothing. You've got nothing to rely on. No, none of your like... Uh, moral attachments to legal justice are really legitimate yeah. um, because yeah, they led sense. to not only the death of the guy you were trying to like investigate, but the guy who was trying to kill the guy you were trying to investigate and a complete like third party innocent who was just connective tissue. And you I know? guess yeah. we have to, we have to demonstrate that uh, like the real mastermind is still out there, right? Like de Brasio wasn't even the, the guy, like the attorney yeah. general, like oh, the calls coming point. from inside the house sort of thing. I guess mm. that makes sense. Well, uh, yeah. Aaron, you've I, been chiming up. Did you have any thoughts? I was about just going to say that, like, well, I'm I'm kind of sympathetic to. I I also kind of I think that specifically films like this are often guilty of using characters, often female characters, kind of in that yeah mechanical <laughs> way that feels kind of nasty. I guess like the thing here that like uh, maybe it's just an excuse or whatever is that like this film is like so cynical that i i kind of feel that like that's kind of the point right which yeah. like maybe doesn't necessarily make it better but like the, yeah. the the film is like kind of not giving you an out for like anybody here right um and that like every single character is like every single character who is trying to do good even if they're doing it through like proper channels and whatnot is kind of ground you know yeah. beneath the the boots of the system so i like, mean this is this is basically like it yeah. Yeah. It's like the Dark Knight, ex- except instead of like running away from the cops at the end of Dark Knight, Batman is killed in prison <laughs> by like the <laughs> mob. Yes. Like imagine that, right? Like that's kind of what this movie's doing. It it does feel, I am kind of curious about, let me actually, you know what? Let me fucking Google this. Uh, I am kind of curious because this does feel like it could have been an influence on like Friedkin's stuff. This is one thing we talked about a lot with like French connection, but also to live and die in LA, like that, that sense of like cynicism kind of like, that is just like vile and nasty. That's kind of underneath all those films in a way that I really like, but uh, it's been criticized as well. But like, it, it does feel that like there is kind of connective tissue there and like how just like, there is like no out for like any of the characters mm-hmm. here, except for being corrupted themselves. Um, pretty nasty i don't know it is it is pretty nasty i think uh, like i agree with that um characterization of it where i i understand the utility of serena in this kind of movie and how characters like serena are used within the genre like they the dna for that is there which again doesn't necessarily make it better but it is i guess at this point in 2023 sort of expected when you like upon rewatch or you know reappraisal or revisitation or, or things like that i think the one thing that threw me off guard a little bit with serena was the the specific sort of like cinematic visual language where I, I i think i expected her to move the scales a bit more just because of how she was introduced where she was like at the mm-hmm. crime scene and she was peeking in a sort of like like to get the to get us to understand that she has a relation to to somebody who's there, but then I think I just expected to to see more of her, um, mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, engage with her perspective a, a little bit more. It didn't 
quite happen um, in the way that I expected, which which is what it is. But that is um, whether that was me misreading a cue or the movie intentionally sort of. Um, I don't know, directing our expectations elsewhere is, mm. is kind of what it is. But yeah, I had no preconceived, preconceived notions of what to like expect with this movie or um, a character like Serena coming into this movie. Um, I thought one thing, it, she ultimately served a very specific purpose that um, I think was probably necessary to the movie, even if, if it does feel uh, a little nasty, but that's, but that's by mm-hmm. design. And I'm sure that's, you know, I'm sure much more of that is, is to come with the, the rest of this slate of films. And, you know, for better and worse, right, like, and not to, again, make excuses for it, but, like, all of the characters in this movie are symbols, right? Like I said, I think that the best scene in this movie, the cliff scene, is the scene where the characters feel most human and most three-dimensional. But, like, ultimately, Mm -hmm. like, Triani is supposed to be the innocent that's corrupted. Uh, Brazio is, like, the symbol of like the the mob the attorney general ends up being sort of like the the mastermind behind the symbol or in addition uh bonivia is supposed to be like the cynical police captain right like they are all stand-ins for ideas so i guess like it just like it, it, it's just that the woman is always the stand-in for that idea <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. in in yes. movies like this and it's sort of like ah that's too bad but um you know that's what are you going to do? I, I do love the uh, the Wikipedia's summation of this. Um, she is unceremoniously killed, encased in a concrete, and incorporated into a local construction project. <laughs> Brutal, but also she becomes good a detail. building block of the community, right? No, exactly. And like DeBrosio is a construction worker, right? So it's like, holy shit, dude! Yeah. Is this a uh, uh, not to put you on the spot? Is this basically? Italian 70s crime Yakuza 0 like basically I mean it like basically though uh there's not Surprised really you enough didn't say this yourself fighting over uh small parcels of real estate if there was a lot more well, like complicated discussions over yeah there is construction happening but nobody is like yeah. killing each other over like a tiny parcel of land so sure. uh but okay. but like listen I, I like this movie a lot two maybe different that's methods. You're One's right. Kind of simplistic and idealistic, you know mm, what I mean. Man. The other's a little. Mm. I would love to play an Italian yakuza game. Somebody should make a game about the Italian version of the yakuza. Somebody really should <laughs> if fucking only. do that. Yeah, or like uh, a movie. I didn't I think you were like, joking until halfway through <laughs> you saying that, and I was like, Harry's the dumbest fucking person. <laughs> I just think that there should be more talking about the Italian version of the yakuza. You know, maybe they could like eat, sit around and eat a lot. You know what I mean. Um, yeah like somebody should yeah. make like a like maybe maybe we could even like like make some tv shows about it something to think about any anyway uh have we talked enough about the climax of this movie we're coming up on about an hour i, I feel like i feel like there's formally the climax is pretty neat too we've talked about like the pieces that lead up to it and the uh, procedurality that like adds up to the the climax but i found it really like when I zoned back in, honestly, after a little bit, just a tiny little bit of nodding off, when I zoned back in for the climax, it was really well unfolded, I think. Like like the setup being um, that right after uh, Bonavia realizes that like the noose has been tied, that he is like basically he's that that trainee has him dead to rights, that the AG is, you know, on his case anyway, that Serena has, is set up, that like he signs his own confession uh, to trainee and to the, the courts. Uh, and he, he adds this confession of a murder to, uh, Debru- or to his, to his confession, the murder of Debrosio. 
uh, and he leaves the uh, leaves his office um, and just has this like moment with everybody, like the uh, waving goodbye to everybody in, in Oz kind of moment where he just leaves. He finds out where the where DeBerzio is having lunch, goes and unceremoniously uh, just shoots him point blank, not point blank, but ac- from across the restaurant and walks out like no musical sting, no like fantastic editing or anything, just like well composed shots, uh, a few simple lines. He gets him to say Rizzo's name one last time and fucking murks him in this restaurant and how coolly he operates in that, how like well under control everything seems despite it being like a panic inducing moment from the Trianese side because he's reading, the, as Harry was saying, he's reading the confession in real time while uh, while uh, uh, Bonavia is headed to the restaurant. I just found this like a really fun, compelling way to like climax the movie. It's not the end. I almost wish it had been the end. Is that the uh, climax? For, for me, that's the climax. Uh, it's like, oh, the, the main thing, the thing that we wanted at the beginning, uh, Bonavia wanted Brusio dead we finally have that that was like the release for me the rest is just that like cynical it's oh, the things no. are never going to change the helplessness it's apparently apparently what makes a politioteski a politioteski but in this for me that was the climax it was like it was sort of an unadorned one it was again like not a whole lot of music going on there not like the craziest editing or like most pulse pounding filmmaking but just like a cool display of what like like the, the natural endpoint of everything that's happened in that uh, in the second half of the movie, I I really enjoyed it. What do you think? I, um, I would argue oh, there's sorry, not a ahead. climax. Well, I would just say I don't Whoa. think there's a cl- a climax here. I think that there is like a uh, there there. Uh, well, I uh, there's. Uh, there, there is a there is a term that has been used uh, and, and applied to the the endings of a certain author that I like called a slingshot ending, where like over at the end of a, a work or whatnot, you actually like increase momentum up until like a final moment that then just like cuts out. I I, I like this, which is the aspect that like I really like about the ending of this film is like I don't think there's like a conventional climax or at least like the 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 killing of the construction magnate shooting in the restaurant doesn't feel like a climax to me right like the the film kind of builds up this anticipation for this final meeting uh uh, uh with Traini and and this uh you know kind of corrupt government official and then just like ends it there uh which like really like took me kind of by surprise um it's it's like it is the kind of thing that for me like does work in these kind of films that like as harry mentioned is like mostly symbols kind of crashing into each other. Right. And, and not like real characters per se. Um, and that I think that it like, it really kind of questions the viewer about like how they themselves like respond to uh, uh, these characters that are kind of vehicles for a, a point, right. To be made. Right. And that like, there is no actual conclusion here. There is no climax. The climax is like, that unsettling feeling that you get uh, uh, when these, you know, this character who is representative of this viewpoint is kind of like brought to the ultimate point where like that viewpoint actually breaks. And like, it is just this like understanding that like shit's over for him. Right. Like, like the viewpoint that he was kind of espousing throughout the film is like, can be no longer, uh, it is no longer tenable. Right. And like, I really like that uh, in this film. Like I really like films that like pull that off. 
Um, and I, I really, I really dug it here as well. Yeah, I mean, it's very specifically an anticlimax, right? In the sense that it is a subversion of a traditional idea, right? Like the the fantasy yeah. of violence that John was talking about. It's like this is like an anti taxi driver ending, right? Where like the entire movie is about, as uh, Cody put it, <laughs> like edging, and then like we get to the we get to the point where uh-huh. it's like, oh, like finally the man's had enough. He's been pushed too far. Just like we, the audience, have seen how he's been pushed too far finally he's gonna go ape shit right finally he's gonna go stride in and he's gonna blow the sucker away and like finally we get justice finally we get release right and it doesn't matter right like instead of the big orgasmic shootout where he kills the entire criminal organization on his own or whatever and dies in the process he strides as an old man into a restaurant uh, looks the smirking dude in the eye, shoots him in the chest, and we get that moment of catharsis where finally we get to see this guy get got, and it doesn't amount to anything, right? Instead, he walks back out of the restaurant, gets arrested, dies in prison, and the show goes on, right? It's it's like this amazing sort of like denial of what we want, right? As like cinema viewers, it's like we want to see Travis Bickle blow everybody away, right? We don't get to get that in this movie. Instead, we get a moment of that that is immediately undercut by the rest of the movie to sort of like hmm. bring you back to reality. Um, so I, I agree with uh, Aaron. I really, really like what this climax does with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to your point, Jason, like it's so good the way that they shoot it so that there is no mistaking the intent, right? Like it is such an understated sequence. And especially in a genre that is known for being bombastic, uh, to be that understated about it, right? Like, I, I don't even remember any music, right? Like, he just, like, it, there are a lot yeah. of wide shots. It's just a lot of, like, he walks into the restaurant. There are a bunch of people, like, laughing and making fun of him. He he shoots the uh, DeBrogio, and that's it, right? It's It's, like, one and done, cool, clean, and sort of, like, sad. You know, it's, like, it's the end of something, not sort of, like, the climax of something yeah maybe maybe it just is that like because i found it compelling because it was like finally after another half hour of serena identifying people and trainee talking to the ag and just like again just visual noise that wasn't there for that chunk of the second act maybe after that it was just that like oh there's there's mission there's purpose there's an action to be taken now maybe that's why i tuned back in and consider that such an exciting climax even though you're right by all definition it is it's like oh this is not the end of the movie it is not like the most uh, heavily edited or stylistic or like dramatic moment in the movie, but it used, it has used the previous 30 minutes to give that um, moment as unadorned as it is a whole lot of like weight, a whole lot of importance. And then, and then like the, the, you know, whatever's left of the movie, 10 minutes or something like that is just like, well, this is the natural end point of a police captain who's confessed to his crimes, walking into a public place and blapping a local gangster. Like, that is what would happen, right? Is he'd probably get a lot of, like he'd obviously go to jail. He would then obviously be killed in jail because the, the mob controls the police too. I, I don't know. It, it was just like, oh, this is, everything's been soaked up into this moment, even though the moment itself isn't like fireworks, I guess. I also love the denial of Triani's victory, right? Because like the half hour after the meeting at the cliff is about Triani assembling his case, and then he finally brings his case down on the police captain only to literally arrive to the confession. And the the guy's like, actually, like, I was never playing your game, Triani. I knew you were going to catch me. I wasn't trying to stop you from catching me. I was just trying to make this happen. 
And so like now you were a party to this, right? Instead of there's sort of like this great idea that like, like this rivalry was one-sided from the very start, right? Like Triani sort of thought he had a rival or like a, um, an opponent in, Bon- Bonivia. And in, in the end, Bonivia was just looking for the door, right? He was just on his way out. And I really love that, like, like you had said, Aaron, it's just sort of like this. They present this sort of like um, dialectic only to reveal that, in fact, like, this is just about the end of Bonivia, the end of somebody like that, right? Like the fact that his his viewpoint is not sustainable anymore. Yeah, I, I think that like the 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 brilliance of the way that the scene in the restaurant kind of like plays also with like the ending is that like, you know, we, we see, you know, uh, the construction magnet get like blown away with by a gun. And like, that is despite, you know, the, how the scene is kind of set up and the tone of it, it is satisfying in like a certain way. Oh, it's right? very cathartic. Um, yeah. That's the idea. But, but like it, it also makes the viewer like ask themselves, like, what do we think happened a minute or two minutes after the actual end of this movie. And like, I think we know what happens. I think we know that, that, that at least in my opinion, uh, Triini is like not going to shoot uh, the attorney general, right? Mm-hmm. The attorney general is not going to see justice of any type. Uh, uh, like the game over, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. I dig it. Like, like, like maybe uh, Serena and Bonavia's death was to Traini as Rizzo was to Bonavia. Like that was, that's his, exactly right. Like right? the system goes on moment. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see what you mean there. Yeah. No, ultimately I'm, I'm really glad we're coming around to, I I think what we're all coming around to rather with um, like DeBrosio's demise, that whole scene, you know, in a movie that's largely comprised of, um, of edging, you know, completely devoid of climax. It, it's a good feeling when someone finally shoots. God. Oh, is that is that our natural? Uh, well, it's not natural. Is that our uh, segue into one of the final two segments of our show? Segway. Does anybody else have any any final little uh, stuff to squirt out? Um, if we're, mm-hmm. I, I know we're, we, we have. Well, um, we haven't done a lot with kind of real. Oh boy, with um, like putting putting a point on like what is this the the year of? Um, just throwing an idea out there. Uh, year of the real one, Rizzo. Uh, front runner for that imaginary category. Um, I'm I'm okay with it. Union I'll leader. It. I'll add it to the doc. Love to see it. Uh, what pretty great uh, important part of this movie? Any? Yeah, I don't know. Any, just something from 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 the month of January being like most of our output so far. Who's who might be the real ones from previous episodes? Is, no, I didn't think that for is, is Joe is Joe a real one for killing himself at the end of Looper? <laughs> Honestly, that's yeah. that's not bad. Yeah, it's be. not bad. That's not too. That's You're the bad. suicide. That could be another one. I <laughs> guess. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, what about like? I think we've talked about Year of the Mister Jones before. Aaron and I have. Sure. I, I I do think Triadi would be a really good candidate for that, especially sure. the Can ending you... here, where uh, Mister Jones is like the guy who just doesn't know what's happening. It's just like fairly obvious what's unfolding around him, and he just cannot yeah. put two and two together. <laughs> uh, and like Triadi at the end of this, when the Attorney General like smugly asks him, like, "Is something wrong?" and he's like, "Oh no!" It's like you fucking idiot. Like, got him. <laughs> so. <laughs> Maybe a good Mr. Jones. Uh, I like the real one. Let's see. Who else is uh who else would be a good real one? Um I mean Rita kills uh Tom Cruise like a billion times. That's pretty real. That's pretty funny. That's pretty real. Um yeah, she's pretty real in that movie. 
I, 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 let's put it into contention. I guess we don't really settle on it until, uh, until later in the year, but let's, let's see what, let's be descriptive about this. Let's not be prescriptive. Let's not uh, try and enforce our own understandings of systems and order onto something that's just happening in the real world, you know? Um, uh, remind you of anything. Uh, then we have a couple of segments left to this show. Um, I'll keep this one uh, fairly brief if we can. Uh, it's called Good Grief, Give Me a GIF. Uh, tell me what we should put out with the episode tweet uh, when this episode comes out on Tuesday, y'all. Um, I'll start with uh, Cody. I feel like I feel like you and I were uh, vibing on some of the same shots in this movie. Did you have anything that uh, that uh, that stuck out as like particularly gifable? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The this happened a couple of times, uh, twice. Sp- specifically the first time I gravitated toward a little bit more, but it was after, after the sort of the, I guess, kind of the inciting incident um, where the, it's sort of like, it's a, it's a crime scene now. Um, Trini and Bonavia get together. They have their initial conversation. Then they sort of pivot outside. It's a shot. It's like looking down over the city and there's a very dis like there's this, this green patch and it's it pans, I believe right over everything. And then, uh, you see on the right hand side of the screen, it's those two characters on like a rooftop, just like looking out over anything or anything over everything, rather continuing their conversation um, as just sort of like visual, visual metaphor for these two being, um, you know, holding their very powerful positions, Ooh. real like infernal affairs sort of energy with um, just like you think of some of the classic or just, I don't know, the box art for, for that, um, for the, that saga of movies with criterion or something like that. It's just like people on rooftops hashing things out. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's uh, what you were thinking of, but I, I think we, I don't know. Th- those are ones that stood out to me. And I feel like I remember us having similar reactions. So yeah, that. so that, I, that would be mine. I like that. Uh, it also gives us a shot of Franco Nero's face, who is the most like, I don't know what that guy was like in real life. A really beautiful man, just incredibly handsome. That man in, especially in this movie, I did not realize that I already seen him in at least one John Wick movie. Uh, as he is one of the, I think one of the crime bosses or assassin leaders or whatever. Anyway, cool guy. Uh, Aaron, well, they were going a little out of order, whatever. Aaron, you got, uh, got a giffy wiffy for me. Iffy wiffy. Uh, sure. Uh, in an effort to, uh, remain, uh, uh, kind of the worst person to, to do this bit. Uh, I will say that in honor of me, uh, watching this on Tubi, uh, my answer is just, uh, Cody's gif. Uh, but then the second half cuts away to a Charmin ad. So an ad for toilet paper that <laughs> makes you watch in the second half of the gift. Have fun editing that. That'll actually be way, way easier than you think, and uh, but but way less reward, too. So Maybe like, like a mid-pan logo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Mid, mid-pan over the city, and all of a sudden you get some bears hopping and dancing in the frame, saying, I, my hiney's clean. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if I can. Yes. If I can put the little timer countdown, the little three add in three, two, one thing, I wonder. We'll see if I can do that. Uh, Harry, did you have any shots that shot that stuck out to you? Sure, a couple. I mean, the first one's obvious, and sort of. I'm surprised Aaron didn't pick this, seeing as how it's the big spoiler. But like, DeBrazio getting shot in the chest, and then like his smug face slowly turning into <laughs> pain, and then dead face uh, is pretty good. Um, I really like how like quickly the the worm turns there. It's very cathartic. Um, a lot of the cliff scene is good. There's a moment when Frank and Nero like grabs the the jacket of our police captain and they like have this like very climactic confrontation it looks like they're about to kiss like cody noted that's a good one there's also i'm gonna put it in our uh discord chat there's an incredible moment where frank and nero makes like this amazing you mad bro face 
during the cliff scene uh, when he's like being real smug um, as Triani. That's a very, very funny moment. And obviously, like you had noted, uh, Jason, it sours for him pretty fast as soon as uh, <laughs> as soon as the police captain responds. Yeah, well, guess what? Like your mom's insane. And I think I can prove to the public that you're gay. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. So uh, good stuff there as well. Uh, can I can I really quick uh, not change my answer, but can I also add in maybe uh, just the shot of the kid getting thrown off the cliff and it clearly being like a, a <laughs> oh know, that's a very sort of a good dummy one. or whatnot yeah that's a very good around. one very sad in the in the film very you know, funny out of context I'd, I'd find it less funny if there were some music in that moment but it was it is another unadorned climactic moment where they just <laughs> launch this kid off of you the should cliff. you could just cut in, add the, in like, Harry the, going oh no. <laughs> yeah, or uh, the goofy laugh. That, <laughs> Lots of great yeah reaction noises you can put in. Why, there. why am I the one doing this? Y'all have the ideas. <laughs> okay, uh, those are wonderful choices. We'll see what ends up as the gif, y'all. Uh, hey, you'll see the gif and then you'll check out the episode. So you know you'll you'll know the end point of this. But hey, you'll see the images anyway. We put them out. I think I forgot one episode. I've got to go back and make sure that I did it for everyone. But uh, thanks for participating. In good grief, give me a gif. You've given me several good gifts uh great goodness uh thanks so much uh for that segment we have one final segment uh as part of our show and uh and harry needs to lead us in a quick chorus to introduce it yes thank you jason it is a segment we like to call <gasps> cody's, cody's wow yeah thank you gentlemen for a, a very corruptible introduction this week we'll be celebrating one of the leads of confessions of a police captain in a segment that i like to call <clears throat> martin's smartens fuck yes That's right we'll be ta- yeah we'll be taking a look at uh, martin balsam's filmography and to do this i uh, i wanted to field test a format that's inspired by our most recent dan's detour which uh listeners if you're unfamiliar uh, find it in our edge of tomorrow episode uh that's what I'm referencing, but here's what's going to happen. I've got five films that uh, Sir Martin Balsam, I can't say that. He, w- he was never knighted, but he should have been. Uh, just Martin Balsam, uh, five films that he's in, and uh, we'll take them one at a time. I'll, it'll be on each of y'all to guess which film is being described, and as I'm characterizing each film, if you think you know the film being described, raise your, your, your little Zencaster hand you got there. Once I see a hand raised, I'll call on you, and if you're correct, you'll get a corresponding amount of points. Uh, if you're not correct, we'll keep going until someone can get it right. Each person will only get one guess per film, so use that Ooh. guess wisely. Yeah. Um, and each oh, film- Oh, this is going to go poorly. <laughs> maybe. Uh, we'll see. Each film, uh, I should say, is going to come with three clues. Uh, first, I'll, I'll give what Balsam's place in the cast list is. You know, is he second build, 20th build, etc. cetera. Uh, there's none of those. I just wanted to say 20th. If you can guess the film uh, using only this clue, you'll get five whopping points. Uh, if nobody guesses correctly, the next I'll give what the tagline of the film is. If you can guess the film using the tagline, you'll get three points. And then if still nobody has correctly identified the movie, I will provide the first build actor of the film and a correct guess will get you a point. So the person with the most points at the end will win as always, Trivia Mafia rules apply here, so use your noodles, not your Googles. With that, let's go ahead and jump in, and I'll just reiterate, unlike uh, the Dan's Detour, where we were letting the guesses fly, it's going to be one guess per movie. Um, Yahoo. Just to handicap y'all. Y'all are too smart, um, and I needed to make this a little more challenging, so that's that's what we're doing. Cody, that have said, you I met think, us? Uh, hello. 
homies. Um, I, I should say all of these are movies that y'all have heard of. Uh, I think in most cases, at least some, or maybe most or all of you have seen these movies. Um, so these are not going to be sort of like off the beaten track Italian crime films from the seventies. So just, you have that in your back pocket. All that being said, uh, let's jump in to the first film. So for this first film, uh, again, we're, we're giving first where Martin Balsam is credited, sort of like what slot he's in. And for this one, he is the fourth build actor. So the fourth build actor. And I see Jason's hand. Jason's going to let his free flag fly. Swing and wide sweet chariot. I'm going to say this is the only other movie I remember him in for sure. And it's Psycho. Psycho is the guess. Uh, Psycho is incorrect. Fuck. Um, but hey, important important to get your your guesses out early. Thanks That's, for reminding uh, me that he was in Psycho, though. Fuck. Oh no. Um, okay. Well, if, if there are no other guesses, um, a very valiant guess. Uh, we'll move along to the tagline for this film, which reads as follows: "The most devastating detective story of this century." Does that tagline ring any bells? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I'm seeing Aaron's hand, uh, so we'll go to Aaron for a guess. Aaron, what do you think? I'm, I'm going to go with the French connection. That's dumb as I'm saying it. Uh, it, it is dumb only because it's wrong. Um, but and because hey, you, you know might what? have been filming this movie, like when they <laughs> were filming that movie, dog. <laughs> People filmed 47 films a year back then. You know, <laughs> that's a really it's good point. Like, actually, it's not like today <laughs> yeah. with these lazy A-list actors. You know. That's true. Uh, continue. They, they had movie stars back Lay then. Layup for Harry uh, here, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, hey, potentially. Is we it? Get into, <laughs> we, get, we get into our third and final clue. Uh, the top billed actor for this film is Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Huston Doffman. Do we have a guess from Harry? May as well throw a guess out there, even if you're not sure, just because uh, they do not roll over. I don't remember, so no. Okay, Harry's guess is The Dark Knight from 2008, which, I'm sorry, Harry, is, is incorrect. Uh, the film in question, 1976's All the President's Men. I think that was probably oh, going to be the hardest one on the list, um, so no worries. I, I think, if anything, things are looking up, or it's all downhill from here. Mixed metaphors, but they Ooh, ultimately I, mean the same good thing. I like That's a good tagline for that movie, but also like a very tricky tagline for this game. Good yep. one to Cody. Cody yeah. yeah, Cody's trickies. Uh, number two. So everybody's all tied up. Um, zeros across the board. Still very much anybody's game. Uh, for this second film, Martin Balsam is third build. I see Jason with the hand raise. Jason, what's the guess? <laughs> you fucking dick. <laughs> I'm going to guess Psycho. Psycho is the guess. And I'm sorry, Psycho is incorrect. Um, <laughs> valiant guess, etc., etc. Um, any other guesses? Knowing that Martin Balsam is the third build actor in this motion picture. Alrighty, I'll kick it along to the tagline. Our second clue for three points. Before this train reaches the next station, it will become the scene of the most spectacular hijack ever attempted. I see Harry with the hand raise. Harry, what's your guess? That's the taking of Pelham One Two Three, the original. <laughs> the the taking of Pelham One Poo P from 1974. That is three points for Harry Mackin. Is he Mr. That Green? I can't remember his name. Okay, that's all right. He's um, the guy that makes it to the end and then, um, like, he sneezes and then we freeze frame, right? 
Uh, maybe I would love a spoiler tag for that because I think it rules and people shouldn't know that. But Louis, um, who hasn't seen the taking of Pella one two? Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Millions, maybe billions of people. Uh, for what it's worth. Uh, but yes, he um Harold Green in quotes Green Longman. Um, see, so yeah, Mister Mister Green. Maybe he goes by. Yes, that is that is his character. Um, great addition to that film. Great addition to all the films he's in, including the ones in this list. I would argue, and I'm correct about. Uh, but three points for Harry. He holds the lead for this third film. Martin Balsam is fifth build. He is fifth build. I saw Jason and then Aaron. Jason, do you want to guess? Gonna guess uh, 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men is the guess, uh, valiant guess, but it is incorrect. <laughs> you thought he was incorrect. the fifth Angry Shit. Man. <laughs> Shit, fuck. <laughs> uh, Aaron, would you like to guess? I would like to guess Psycho. Aaron would like to guess Psycho. Uh, incorrect guess. Uh, it would have been so good, though, wouldn't oh it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't oh. that have been good? <laughs> it it, it would have been good. It would have been funny. Um, but now it's only kind of funny uh, because you both got it wrong. I guess it's funny for everybody listening. They, they're maybe getting a kick out of this, uh, which leaves it open for, for Harry uh, as we get through the, the latter two clues here. Here's the tagline for this film. The most hilarious heroine, whoever rumpled the pages of a best-selling novel, dot, 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 is on the screen, exclamation point. Whoa. So that's something. Uh, Harry, do you have a guess for this? You do have one more clue incoming. Really? If you want to shoot your shot, pull a. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead and give me that third clue. All right. The third clue. uh, The top build actor in this motion picture is Audrey Hepburn. One Audrey Hepburn. Uh, Maybe you've heard of her. Um, We like to say, let's give it up for women, but can Harry give up an answer for a woman? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Are you the woman in question? What is this? What do you mean? Uh, oh, clip, I yeah. see. Um, let's go with. Uh, um, no, I don't. I don't know. Alrighty. Uh, the Dark Knight, two thousand eight, uh, is the guest. No, um, nineteen sixty one's Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's what is I thought it film. was. Ah, it's weird to call that hilarious. What that's what I that's thought a, it was. <laughs> that's right. a weird. You're right. That doesn't. That movie doesn't strike me as particularly hilarious. Cody's tricky. Uh, it's it's uh, funny. Who's, was the was the short story funny? Was one, that the idea? Was Truman uh, Capote like, oh, this is going to make him fucking break out? I think it's satirical. You okay, know, in a way. man. There's, there's right. a few moments in that film that very specifically aren't funny, but I think it has a humor. Which moments are those? Uh, the very racist bit in the ending, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the two that I was oh, gonna... It's racist throughout, but yes. Yeah. Um, the audio cue, though. Very on point. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, Mamma Mia, give me a fourth film. So I'll get you that. Uh, f- <laughs> the first clue for our fourth and second to last film is that um, uh, we got Martin Balsam. He was fifth build in this film. Fifth build. I see Jason's hand. Jason, would you like to issue a guess? It's all or nothing. We're going psycho. Psycho is the guess. And for five points, Jason got it correct. The movie is yes. Psycho. Uh, the tagline of this film being the screen's master of suspense moves his camera into the icy blackness of the unexplained. And the top build actor is Anthony Perkins. Okay. I, okay. I, I just got to say a second question. The tagline. What a fucking weird way to describe these, these taglines! Fucking suck, dude. That makes it <laughs> sound ta- like an alien movie. Like, what is all unexplained tagline- about Psycho? All taglines through like 
eighty. Uh, no, I shouldn't. Explained. I shouldn't say that because because oh, Alien, yeah. Alien, Alien was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty and taglines aren't great, and it's the worst part of the movie. The the last scene where they explain everything in Psycho, it, it fucking sucks. Well, like I guess we're just I giving away the endings movies, to movies today, huh? Well, this it was just awesome. like m- movies in the sixties through like the forties. Their taglines. Oh yeah, were sorry. Like, <laughs> it's outrageous, and uh, go see it and shit. Like they you didn't say anything about imagine. the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Cody's yeah. mad at me for spoiling Psycho. What's again? Billions of people. Uh, the points, here's where we're at. Um, so, zero, three, five in the order of Aaron, Harry, Jason. Oh, so uh, Jason is... just pulled ahead because of oh. a bit? Is that... <laughs> yeah, he's gonna win. <laughs> this is how I... Uh, I don't know, I wouldn't finish. say that. Well, there's one question left, and Technically you know, I'm, j- I'm a, a humble former stats major, but by my calculations, it's still anybody's yeah, game. C- consider, consider that I have no guesses left, so you could pull ahead of me, or tie, just by getting one. Right, well, everybody has one guess for this question. Just oh, I mean, want to make like, sure that I don't, I don't have any more oh, knowledge okay. about Martin Balsam's oh, sure, sure. So. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, we head into the fifth and final film uh, for this game, anyway. Not the last film ever, but uh, for for this <laughs> segment, anyway. Uh, Martin Balsam in this particular film is first build. <gasps> first build. Wow, that's wild. Um, rest assured, you'll get a third clue if we get that far. But. Who knows? You might not have to get that far because I see Jason with his hand raised. Jason, what's your guess? I'm going to guess the film Twelve Angry Men. <laughs> Jason is going to guess the film Twelve Why Angry would Men. He be billed Maybe first? because Martin Balsam is uh, juror number one in Twelve Angry Men and what would be the- first. In which what? case, uh, Jason is correct. He gets five points. <laughs> what? Yeah! How billing Ow! fucking film works? What the letterbox would suggest otherwise? <laughs> All right. Uh, Tagline right, th- for this that film. That was very uh, hype. Le- Life is in their hands. Death is on their minds. Uh, and I would have good. gone with yeah the actor most prominently occupying the poster, which was Henry Fonda. But Martin Balsam, yeah, he was the uh, what the juror number one slash the sort of like moderator for everybody. I forget the actual Hell term. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he rocked it in that movie. Everybody he rocked does. it in that movie. Uh, we are four angry men. Hey, Jason, what happens at the end others. of Twelve Angry Men? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, you'll never guess it. <laughs> Really, you you invoked uh, they shoot horses, don't they? On a previous episode, you're going to get somebody's ass for referencing movies they've never seen. No, I was, I was making yellow card on the play. That was a different bit, Cody. I was doing the spoilering bit. Uh, oh no, my oh, bit was better. Oh, but oh, I, th- I thought he was uh, to, yeah, get my ass. Uh, I have yeah, seen that movie Jason was the best of all of us today. Oh yeah, the, uh, the anything best, else you'd like to pop off? Uh, I would like to pop other off than about, seeing these movies, um, you fancy boy. You know, I could I could probably go on for I don't know thirty minutes or so about the relations between Greek and uh, Italian society over the last uh, you know two thousand years, but just suffice to say, this was a good piece of cinema. Uh, someday we'll cover Z or uh, I don't know another Yorgos Lanthimos movie or something like that. I'll get my moment. I'll get my moment for right now. I cede the floor to um, Funiculi Funicula by the uh, Mandolin Trio of, uh, of of Italy. Let's hear it for Italians. You know. Uh, thank you so much, Cody. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I I'm hope snapping I, for Italians. Ooh, snapping for Italians. I'm just doing the hand symbol. It's it's silent, but it's known. Uh, thank you very much, Cody. Um, for another rousing edition of Cody's Noties. Uh, and thank you, listener, for uh tuning in for another episode of Try Love. I'll try stop saying uh so much. Uh, you can check. Uh, fuck. You can check us out uh, at Try Love Podcast on Twitter. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. Pulitzuteski. Uh. Is a series going on at the Trilon right now, but there are a bunch more planned for the rest of the year. You'll get to see Maggie Chung. You'll get to see Wayne Wang. 
uh, Edward Yang. Oh, I'm just pulling this off off the top of my head. Uh, Sam Peckinpah later this year. There is uh, it's something for everybody, and that's just the series. There's a lot of one-offs. There are some volunteer screenings, some cool stuff coming up at the Trilon. Go out, check it out if you can. If you're in the cities or if you're visiting, uh, they are over in South Minneapolis. But you can check out their entire programming schedule at Trilon.org. Follow them on social media at Trilon Cinema to keep up with the latest news and updates. Uh, follow me, or not, at Nintendoofus on Twitter. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Italy. I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. My name is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. For years, you've been entitled to regular wages by law. DeBrosio is cheating all of you. You must not be afraid. There's no need to go on like this. You know it as well as I do. I tell you, you can put a stop to it by coming out here and standing together, not by staying locked up in your houses, in your stables. You all hide, but I know every single one of you, and I know you're with me, so don't be afraid. Come out in the open. DeBrosio robs the workers and gets rich from our sweat. Whoever gives us bread is our father, we say, but he throws us crumbs. What kind of a father is it who brings us hunger and uses his power to fire us whenever he wants to? Is it his right? No! He can't do this according to the law! Yet he does it. He laughs at the law, and you give him the power because you're afraid. If we don't demand our rights, who's going to give them to us? Him? The Mafia? D'Ambrosio is a wolf. Don't be sheep! <laughs>